Good morning. I'm so glad you're here today. If you're here and it's your first time, first time in a long time, and maybe you just have been coming since October and you thought all those dudes were in charge, they are. Um, just so you know that right off the bat. But I have missed standing before you and, and just opening the word and speaking and just sharing what God has given me. I thought a few weeks ago that um, God was done with this series. And I know me thinking gets, in, gets me into trouble, so I don't know why I do it. But today we're going to turn a corner and take your Bibles out and find the book of the Gospel of John and find chapter 11. Obviously, we will start with the verse we have began each message with <clears throat> in 2 Corinthians. You'll see it in your notes. I would ask you to take your worship guide out and begin to take notes as the Lord speaks. It's good to be in God's house. Amen? Amen. It's good to be in God's house. Make sure you plan to be here on Friday for our night of worship. I'm excited for what God is going to do in us, through us, with us. Um, I just pray that, man, He just humbles us and He is glorified and lifted up. That's the plan for the night, and that's the only plan we have. Amen. And we ain't in charge. And we, we come prepared, but we do not have an agenda. Amen and amen. Are you in John 11? Just stay right there for a second. Let me read our verse. Paul wrote, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me, I ask you the same. And then he says, for I'm jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. And this is where the Lord began to speak to me about his church. Paul said, I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. So Paul is owning the responsibility of his commitment to Jesus and his purpose and mission on this planet, and that is that those whom call themselves Christians and are Christ followers and believers, the ones in the way as it was worded in the scriptures, that, that they would be a pure bride and that they would have their allegiance pointed to only one, and that is Christ. That's my desire. But, but what kind of started to move me was, I promised you as a pure bride, a pure bride to one husband. What, what, what we can't do as the church is, we, 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 can't, we can't keep having affairs on Jesus. We, we can't be... 
We can't walk around and, and continue to live lives of infidelity when we are committed to one. I mean, we get that in the natural. I suggest we need to embrace that in the spiritual. Um, here's where we've come so far. In week one, we discussed and answered the question, is the church even necessary? We, we, we settled that and... Week two, we just asked the hard question, who's calling the shots, man? Is it, is it us? Is it God? What, what? We answered that. Week three, we unpacked how we would know if Living Water or any church or any Christ follower, how we would know if it is a Holy Spirit-led church, because there are some characteristics that will be evident if that is the case, and I named only a few. And then we spent a couple weeks talking about leaders, and today I want to turn a corner. I'm going to close this series at one point, I promise. <laughs> of course, I said that once, and we had a series that went, God, I don't remember, it was like 15, 18 weeks or something like that. Um, bless God. <laughs> um, I, I quit when he says I'm done. But, uh, but it's going to take a couple of weeks to wrap this up because of what God has said to me while I've still been lingering on this. Uh, just imagine that from here on out, the rubber is going to hit the road, as it were. In other words, we, we, we've learned a lot about what we should be looking for, um, the direction we should be pointing, and, and, and now I... I want us to really feel the weight of our responsibility. Because we have some. Amen. I want to talk about things like our purpose, our witness, our service, etc. But I want to start with something I think we need to grasp onto. I think we need to own it. Uh, I think we need to never let it go. I'm, I'm, I'm weary of it in the church. You are too. And so today I want to answer the question, are we living in freedom? Are we living in freedom? I know you're in John 11, but in John chapter 8, verse 36, we know this verse. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Amen? If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. No ifs, ands, or buts. When the sun sets you free, you are free. But a lack of freedom in the church, I believe, is one of the biggest hindrances of the church, if you will. We can say we're free. We can even go through the motions of being free. We can draw our line in the sand as if we're free. We talk about being free, but we are still bound. And, and now, now get this. Because many are free, but the devil has fooled us into forgetting our responsibility and staying free. Jesus has done all he has to do to make us free. And those of you that know Jesus and have received his payment for your sin, and you have been redeemed and and he has bought you back and you are one of his children. You are set free. But, but, 
But the ball's in our court. Yes, we can't do it on ourselves. I get it. And we need the power of the Spirit. I get it. But in many cases, we just get lazy. I get lazy. I, I get sidetracked. How does the enemy get us in this predicament? Well, we tell ourselves we're not as bound as we used to be. I mean, right? I'm not as bad as I used to be. And FYI, I thank God for that. But the fact of the matter is, is mediocrity is not the goal here. I'm not just trying to get a little better than I was last week. I want to be free, filled with the spirit of the living God. Amen. We, we tell ourselves we're not as bound as our legalistic friends. Amen. I'll, I'll just help you out on that one. <laughs> you, you, you're looking at me like you ain't never heard me say that before. Um, or, or, or worse, we've, we've settled for some hyper-Calvinist view that says I was set free. It's impossible for me to be bound again. Well, Scripture doesn't teach that. I said, Scripture doesn't teach that. And I will suggest as well that that kind of spiritual arrogance is all the proof that the devil or you and I need to know that we've just replaced one set of chains for another. Uh, it's, this verse isn't in, in your notes, but just, just so I'll have less emails to read. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. It's our responsibility to stay free. You can be in bondage once you're saved, and the devil knows it. I, it maybe you've never heard that before. I hope you leave here with a different mindset towards your faith. That... We need to be on guard. Amen. We need to be on the offense. Amen. See, see, see the, the devil knows he can't. I'm about to preach here in a second. The devil knows he can't have your spirit. So what, what, what he does and what he knows, and daggone it, he's good at it, and I hate to say it, but, but he knows you belong to Jesus, but his number one priority is to keep your soul in prison. That's his number one goal because he can't have you. He can't have you. You belong to Jesus. Thank God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But, but, but he can steal your freedom and put you in chains again as he binds up your emotions and your thoughts. Are you with me? And, and you find yourself again just entangled. And, 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 and we are the ones that have entangled ourselves because we've been given everything we need when we accept Jesus Christ. Amen. And he says to continue to be filled with the Spirit, Paul said, over and over. And then walk in the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. And we get lazy. We find ourselves entangled. See, he can't keep us dead because we've been made alive. Amen. We've been made alive. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but we have been made alive. Thank you, Jesus. But here's the thing. 
We've been made alive, but, and this is why I want you in John 11, we've been made alive, but we still are wrapped in our grave clothes. And you know we're going to talk about Lazarus. Just going to read a little chunk. I'm not even going to spend a lot of time unpacking it because you know the story. But I want to speak to you today on the subject of Yes, you're alive. You've been called from death to life. But are you free? Are you free? Or are you afraid? Are you free? Or are you afraid? Jesus called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, as the song goes. And I'm so thankful you are too. Aren't you glad that Jesus brought you into the light? Hallelujah. Here's the thing. And you felt some heat of the light? And it felt good in the beginning. The heat felt good because it was so cold inside of you for so long. And we settled for the heat instead of pursuing the light. We settled for what Felt like we were free. We settled for what felt like the chains falling off instead of pursuing the light. Amen. We need to allow Jesus to unwrap us, if you will, so that we can bask in the light, the light of Jesus Christ. We, we, we can't continue to stay wrapped up. We can't continue to stay in chains, we can't continue to stay bound and call ourselves free and expect Jesus to bless our lives. We just can't. We can't. We can't become a pure bride, continue to be a pure bride, be the pure bride that Jesus is coming back for, amen, if we stay bound. Brings us to John 11. I'll set it up. You know the story, so I'll be brief. Jesus gets word that his friend is sick. And the word he gets is that his friend is sick unto death. Jesus acknowledges the fact, but wait. And as Tom said last week, waiting is the hardest part. So he waits. He's not moved by the news. Because he knows he has a solution to the need. So he does not give a knee-jerk reaction just to satisfy someone that comes with a problem. He's got a solution. The solution is real. He knows it. He expects us to believe it, trust it, have faith in it, and wait for it. Amen. Eventually, Lazarus passes. You know the story. And Jesus decides to Head that way. Let's pick it up at verse 32. We'll read 
Well, we'll just re- read some of it. Verse 32. If you got it, say amen. If you're just going to read the screen, say, I got it. I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> your Bible says this, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, you, you know this story, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, it's your fault. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. Hold up. (laughs) An anger welled up in him. See, that's the Jesus nobody talks about. That that table flipping Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, we like California Jesus with the blonde hair. And, and, the, and the fake tan, and, and, and the, the one who just, you know, is walking with little children. Yeah, see, we either take all of Jesus or we take none of him. I'm so glad that God is our provider and God is our healer. And what, when we call out on him, he is whatever we need because he is the I am. He said he's the I am because he's everything. But we got to understand that we can't ignore the other sides and the other characteristics of God or his son. The anger welled up inside of him. It says he was deeply troubled. Verse 34, where have you put him? He asked. And they told him, verse 35, then Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Moving on down, it says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. It was a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Verse 39, roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. You see here that Jesus, he ain't having chit-chat. He's not, they've already showed their true colors. So he's angry, he's hurt. He's troubled. And so he's just telling them what needs to happen. We see the heart of Jesus when we, as followers of Christ, friends of Jesus, question him and doubt him. God help us. said, roll the stone aside. But Martha protested. So Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, that they will believe you sent me. No, no, no. No, no, he's teaching an object lesson here. <laughs> he, Father, thank you for hearing me. Uh, I, 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 I know you already know because I'm only doing what you told me to do. But apparently these believers that don't believe, I'm surrounded by them today. So I'm going to pray out loud, Dad. So pardon the inconvenience, but this is so they know that I'm here because you sent me, not because I didn't have nothing to do. And I wasn't late. I was on time. So he prays for the benefit of others. Verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. 
Lazarus, come out! Exclamation point. Now watch this. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes. Pause. He, he couldn't serve, nor could he follow Jesus at this point. Look at me. He was still alive. He was brought from dead to life. He couldn't serve. He couldn't follow Jesus. He was bound. Oh, but he was alive. He was alive. He was free from death. He was free from death. He was free from death. And his face was wrapped in a head cloth. So not only could he not serve and he couldn't follow, he had no vision. Oh, God. He had no vision because his eyes were covered. He, he couldn't give testimony to what Jesus did because his face and his mouth was covered. He had no ability to hear the cries of the needy because he was alive, but he was still bound and he was, uh, he was covered. There was no way he could follow the very commands of Jesus other than come out. So he was made alive. Thank you, Jesus, for making him alive. And Jesus says this. He looks at the people. He looks at the people and says, Hey, all of you, he said to them, You unwrap him. No. no. You unwrap him and let him go. I did my part. I set him free. I brought him to life. Now, you with your mouth gaping open, close it and get busy setting others free. Unwrapping them so that they can be what God has designed them to be and do what God told them to do. We have been duped by the enemy. You've been made, a fr made alive, but are you free? Are you free? Are you free? See, you know that you're bound because you'll be forever fighting and disagreeing with everybody else. Because you think it's someone else's fault that you're bound. And it's nobody else's fault except mine if it's me and you if it's you. Nobody else's fault. It ain't even the devil's fault. He has no power over you except what we give him. You know you're bound. See, Jesus has put people in your life to peel off the grave clothes, but instead we want to stay comfortable knowing we're alive, but not having any responsibility to make a difference or a change. You know you're bound because your spiritual mindset and, and, and you're just spiritually intimidated. You're intimidated, you're silenced, you're repressed, you're scared. You walk with fear and not with faith. Are you still with me? You say, Jeff, I'm, I'm not silent. I'm anything but silent. Yeah, neither was Lazarus' sister Mary. It's about what you say. It's about the motive behind what you say. Mary wasn't silent either, but she should have been. She should have been silent instead of trying to correct and set straight the one that was there to help. That's pretty funny. 
Church, listen. At the risk of sounding like I'm giving credit to my heart is I'm trying to expose the devil wants to keep you frightened. He wants you to fear being set free. Listen, that's his job. That's his job. He ain't afraid that you came to church today. He's really not. He's not... He's not messed up by the fact that you came to church and God's not any more proud of you because he don't take attendance. The question is, why are you here? Why are you here? See, it's the devil's job to keep us frightened. Why? So that we stay repressed and silenced. Repressed and silenced. Repressed and Listen. I put the definition of repressed down because these are the two words that God gave me. It means to subdue, to hold in or hold down, to prevent a natural expression or activity, to remove from consciousness. It's the devil's job, it's his plan, and his number one priority to keep you repressed. To keep you subdued. Don't get too excited about this. Just stay even killed, all right? Don't get all weird. Because that's what he's telling you. So many that are bound. Subdue. Just hold it in. Hold it down. And I feel like shouting. And it's almost 2020. Ain't nobody doing that anymore. Well, unless you're me at a concert or you at a football game. Because I don't go to football games because I don't understand it. And you don't go to concerts because you don't understand it. Like, I can't, I can't go to concerts if somebody's out of tune. I have to leave. You may leave if your favorite player keeps dropping the ball. But you, you will get upset. You will get upset that things aren't right. and you'll start raising your voice about things that are right and then when things are right and going great oh my gosh come home from concerts horse when's the last time you went home from church horse I'll just I'm going to leave that alone so so he wants to repress you silence look at the next definition I want you look, look 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 at the word absence Absence of speech, sound, or noise. The Bible says make a joyful noise. Oh, but we can't because it's absent because we're afraid. Absence of speech, sound, or noise. Absence of mention. To suppress, to hold down. Do me a favor and consider David. Go to your Bibles. Go over to 1 Samuel 17. Consider David. You see, I thought we were going to talk about Lazarus. No, that was just so that we're on the same page that you can be alive and still bound. 
And my message is for those today that are alive but still bound, but also those who need to be setting others free. Okay, all right. David, as a young man, was anointed to be the king of Israel. You know that, you know the story. But he was in king training camp. Came home with mess on the bottom of his sandals because he was out doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was king, but it, timing was everything. And so this king, at a young man, king training camp, he found himself in a place in his life where there was conflict, and this conflict was taking place in this valley, the valley that lay between Israel and the Philistines. It was called the Valley of Elah, E-L-A-H. And, and in this valley, fearful and intimidated Saul was the man who was really leading Israel at the time. It was the king the people wanted, not the one God wanted. And he was afraid. He wasn't out on the battlefield. He was intimidated. Therefore, that goes downhill hill, and it caused his soldiers and his people to be intimidated and fearful and afraid and don't know what to do, can't make a decision. Oh my gosh, who's going to go first? I'm not going. Are you going? I ain't going. Who's going to go? Enter David. 1 Samuel 17, 10, everyone was scared, so scared they were paralyzed because there was a giant going around beating on his chest, defying the people of God. Defying the people of God. And when you defy the people of God, you defy God himself. Verse 10 says this, I love it. I, this is Goliath talking. If I was taller and had a deeper voice, I could probably do this. But just pretend in your mind. I defy the armies of Israel today. That is a powerful statement. Do you understand how powerful that is? I, Goliath said, defy the armies of Israel today. The people of Israel, I defy their God. I defy them as a group. I defy them as individuals. I defy them collectively and one by one. Everyone was just scared. Then David, who was soon to be king, went to the current king. Drop down to verse 32 and we see this. Don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, who was the king, I'll go fight him. I'll go fight him. There they were. God's people. Alive. Soldiers in the army of God. Are you, are, are you, but they were so intimidated they couldn't even speak out about it. They couldn't open their mouths. They just kept hearing this enemy defy them. Defy their God, defy their people. They, 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 over and over again, they listened to this. They did nothing back. They did nothing in return. It took somebody who wasn't afraid. 
It took someone who wasn't intimidated by someone's words. Are you still with me? The army just stared at the problem in fascinated fear, and they didn't know how to respond to them being defied. I would have at least called him a name. I mean, I'd have done something. I mean, even if it was just talk to the guy next to me, man, I tell you what, if he says that one more time, and then like pretend I didn't hear it the next time, but still. The problem just continued, man. They just, over and over, defiance, defiance, defiance. And I believe, hear me, any church, I believe, including Living Water Dayton, that any church that wants to make any progress has got to face this problem. They've got to face this reality in their church, in their personal life. We have to face it. We are constantly going to be defied by the devil. We're constantly going to be defied by him. But it should be us that has the courage of a young boy with a slingshot to begin to start doing some defying on their own. We're going to be defied. We're going to have confrontation from the enemy. We know that. If you don't know that, get saved. Because then you'll know it. I mean... But you, you, listen, we stand powerless because we're alive, but we're not free. And because we're not free, we're fearful. So we stand paralyzed and we can't say anything. Listen, it should be us that do the defying. This, listen, this ain't no game. When, I, when, when, when God burdened me about the church, living water, but the big church, the church, period. Listen, I was broken, and I've stayed broken over it. This ain't no daggone game. We can't just come in and go and come and go, pretend we're in and then we're out. Oh, I got a little conflict over here, so I can't deal with it like a grown-up. I'm in the seventh grade again all of a sudden. Listen, we need to grow and become spiritually mature. We need spiritual fathers we need spiritual mothers so that we can help those who come to know jesus become mature in their faith hallelujah where you at where you at the fires where you at where are you at devil the fires you need to stand up this ain't no it's a battle i'm growing weary of the church that grows around and keeps acting childish i'm weary of it I, I, I get confidence knowing that Jesus grew weary of it. He was angered. It bugged, it troubled him. He probably just has way more better control than I do over it, but I, I'm, I'm just weary of it, man. I'm serious. Let, let, let me paint a realistic landscape of the church for you, all right? God, I thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. I just ask, God, we would have hearts to hear. Open the eyes of our heart. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Hold this word up as a mirror in front of us. In your mighty son's name we pray. Amen. The church 
Living Water is no exception. I put all of us in the same basket. I don't care what denomination you are. I'm not interested in it. We have the childishly happy. Everything's good. You got that joker smile. Everything's good, man. Everything's great. I'm good. You're good. Yeah, don't, don't do anything. Just smile. Somebody asks you, you're good. We have the childishly happy, out of touch with what's happening on the battlefield. Didn't say they wasn't saved. See, there's a difference in happiness and joy. I'm not happy with the condition of the church. I'm not happy with the condition of our country. I'm not happy with the state my neighborhood is in. I ain't happy about that. So I need to stand up and defy some things. But I have to be free to do it. Then you have the childishly selfish. (laughs) I want it my way, and that's the only way, and you're not going to tell me how to do my way. In fact, you're not going to tell me anything, or I will take my tithes and a handful of my friends and go down the road. Well, we hate to see you go. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But I am going to let you know I'm going to pray for the pastor of whatever church you go to if that's your attitude. And I say it out of love. Because I love to say it. No, I'm just kidding. I, I say it out of love. I say it out of, a, uh, out of a place. Hey, I say it out of a place that I'm weary of it. Do you hear me? I'm weary of it. We're not free. We need to be set free. You're saved. Man, every, everybody right now, you need to write this down. You need to, I don't even know, it may be out of print. If it's out of print, I'll give you one of the copies that I have, or I'll go to Half Price Books and buy, I find them there all the time. You need to get David Ravenhill's book, For God's Sake, Grow Up. You need to get it. You need to read it. The son of one of my heroes, Leonard Ravenhill. Childishly selfish. Then you got the childishly whiny. Pardon me. I'm going to say a lot of things. I need to take a drink. Childishly whiny. How you doing? Oh, you know. My life is a bottomless pit of despair. And I have followed you around for 30 minutes waiting on you to ask me so I can tell you how bad things are. Well, there's 30 minutes you could have spent praying. There's 30 minutes you could have spent letting someone pray over you. 30 minutes you could have just sat still and quiet while someone actually gives you godly counsel. 30 minutes of telling of the things that are noble, true, just, pure. Have you read Philippians 4, 8? Those things are praiseworthy. Don't waste my 30 minutes. You're like, we are never giving you a weekend off again. <laughs> Look, man, I, I, don't know what, I, don't know what, I don't know what you want to pastor, but I, man, I, we got we to get this right, church. Come on now. This ain't no game. But then, then you got the devil defiers. Thank God for the devil defiers. Thank God for the devil defiers. 
there's one, they're serious about setting their sights on all God has for them. All God has for them, and they're willing to do whatever it takes and make any change they need to make in their life to have all that God has for them. Amen? The devil defies. You know who I'm talking about. Live or die, sink or swim, they're going to stand up against hell at a drop of a hat, and as my daddy said, they're going to drop the hat themselves. The devil defies. Man, they will, they will just attack hell with a squirt gun because they're like, look, I, 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 you ain't going to defy me. You, you're, you're not going to intimidate me. I'm not only saved, I'm free. And, and because I'm free, I'm going to fight. Enemy, I'm going to fight you. Devil, I'm going to fight you. These folks know that the devil's not going to roll over and play dead. Did you hear me? They're, he's not going to roll over and play dead, but they don't care. They've had it. Devil defiers have had it. They've had, they've had the devil getting in our homes, tearing homes apart. They've had it with the devil getting in our neighborhoods, dividing our neighborhoods. They're tired of, of, of the devil getting into political power so that it can divide nation, and then we get divided internationally. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's time that the church makes the difference we were left here to make. We need devil defiers. We don't need in. We don't listen. If if you've been saved for three days, I get it. I get it. You follow me around for thirty minutes, and I'll give you thirty minutes of my time. But man, there's there's no there is no. Listen to me. I'm not. We're not reading. Hold your head up. Listen. There's no reason. A, a child of God that's been raised up in church, been saved for longer than I've been alive, to still stay in the place you were. 30 days after you've been saved. We need to grow in the Lord. We need to get in this book. We need to read it. We need to be on our face crying out to Jesus. We need to pursue worship. We need to pursue holiness. We need to defy the enemy. I'm tired of the enemy shouting out defiance, and we're just like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. Listen, I know what to do. I'm telling you what to do. We need to help each other, unwrap each other, set each other free, and do some defying. I'm, I, I mean, I, listen, if the littlest guy in the room is willing to do it, come on now. I need some help. <laughs> I, need, I need some spiritual bodyguards. Listen, if, if, if the, the, the devil, the fire, the, the louder the devil gets, the more it spurs them on. Man, I, I love it. Man. The devil's stolen enough. Amen? Let's just go take it back and call it a day. If, if, if you and I would just let God just, just make a fool of us. And just say enough's enough. Man, I'm, I'm not going to be scared anymore. I'm just done being frightened. It's, I, the devil's not going to repress me any longer. He's not going to silence me any longer. Stop being a victim. Hey, we all got a story. And your story is important. And we respect it. And we would never, never downplay it. But God, and we got to create a new story. Got to create a new story about where God has brought you. We got to speak out. We got to edify. 
we're afraid. There's something comfortable about being called out and made alive and, and, and knowing that you heard the voice of Jesus. Knowing you're in the presence of Jesus. Knowing you're surrounded by people that care for you that would go get Jesus for you. But there's something in our nature that it feels good that we can stay wrapped up and not have to do nothing and still be able to hear Jesus. Well, everything Jesus told us to do, you can't do wrapped in grave clothes. You can't. You can't do if you still have a head covering on. You can't do it. Jeff, I, I, you know, I, I try. I'm just... I'm, I'm a little intimidated. I battle with it. Listen, I understand. I've been there. So, 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 so let, me, let me help you with it for, for just a second. Jesus Christ came down from heaven. Okay, you're with me? Okay. Born of a virgin, but completely God. Okay. He took on a body of flesh, just, just like mine and just like yours. Only again, he was probably taller, better looking. But, but then he went and he laid down his life on a cross and he let people execute him and crucify him. He let them, he let them for you and for me. God Almighty sacrificed his only son as the one time payment for your sin and my sin. Are, are you with me still? And then he lay in a grave and then. Three days later, he comes out of the grave. Stay still, Jeff. After a few days, he ascended on the right hand of the Father. The right hand is the side of power in the Scripture. So he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he sits there today as my representative and your representative in heaven. Okay, all of you that agreed, we should be the most fearless We should be the most active. We should be the most dangerous people in a good way. The most confident, the most God-assured, joy-filled people that has ever walked the soil of this earth. Because of everything we all just agreed on. Jesus is in heaven batting for us. Do you get that? But the truth is, many of us are not. And, 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 and listen, I want to meet you right where you're at, but, but, but you got to hear me. I, I, I want you free. I want you so free, but you've got to first recognize you need to be free. Listen, everybody in this room that has had the privilege to try to help someone and, and to and I won't even use the word counsel, but just meet them where they are and maybe give them something from the word or something from your life experience to help them get from this place to the next place in their walk with Jesus. Those of you in the room that have done that time and time and time and time again to the same person or the same couple or the same people time and time and time and time and time and time again, don't grow weary in well-doing. That's my message for you today. But listen to me. Doesn't it wear you out? 
don't, don't, don't you want to just shake them and go, listen, 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 listen. Oh my gosh, listen. I, I love you so much, but I get it now that you are just sucking the life out of me for your own personal enjoyment. I'm sorry that you need that much attention, but you ain't listening. I want you to be free. And those of you that have had that experience, you know what I'm talking about. I love, I absolutely love when I heard Rob tell someone, you know Rob, love him like a brother. You know what? Go back and listen to Jeff's messages that you've sat under for X amount of years because the answer to everything you're asking me, you've already heard. Any more questions? Yeah, well, where, where do I go? Who do I talk to? Where do I go? This was the best move in church I've ever seen in the history of my church life. Rob was sitting. What do I do? Where do I go? You see that altar down there? Yeah. See that altar down there? That's where you need to go. That's who you need to talk to. You ain't, you ain't listening to anybody else. I don't know what to do for you. We want you free. We love you. But mm, I'm, I, you need to get alone with Jesus and figure this out because I don't know what. I, we're out of words. I don't know. I'm repeating myself like 50 times. I don't know what. You, you own 16 Bibles in every translation and even some in foreign languages. I don't know what we can do for you. You either want to be free or not. So the question is. Are you living in freedom or are you living in fear? Jeff, what do I do? Give me a few more minutes and I'll do my best to try to help you. In order to come out of your grave clothes, number one, you've got to stop being afraid of your past. You've got to stop being afraid of... <clears throat> I love what God told Isaiah to write. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. But forget all that I've done. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. A large part of spiritual freedom is freedom from self-identification with the way you think about yourself. Many people experienced their view of themselves and their identification with their thoughts and their emotions regarding themselves. And it usually has something to do with something that happened before today at 11.50. It has something to do with yesterday, the past. Yes? Yes? And so that causes us fear. What if I blow this again? Uh, it creates a sense of me that is really separate from everything else and their thoughts and their emotions. They dictate the experiences. 
And every time it comes up and it hits you in the back of the head and you dwell on it, it's usually worse than it was the time before. And that's what I mean by the enemy. He, he reads your game field. He knows what it is that's going to cause you to not step out in faith. He knows what it's going to take to frighten you, to keep you scared, to keep you bound. I'm sorry to say it, but he knows it. And we've been duped and played the fool long enough. Don't be afraid of your past and stop you trying to define who you are and let God define you for who you are. It's that self-identification based on experience, based on historical data. If you walk up to somebody and, and they've got a dog, the first thing in your mind it's going to be, that's a dog. And then you're going to say, oh, but that's this kind of dog. Oh, I had an experience once with that kind of dog, so that dog is bad. Every dog like that dog is bad. So you start moving forward based on experiential data and historical data. You know nothing about this dog. You just know there was a dog that was like that dog that growled at you once, so you can't go near that dog. And so there's a predetermined notion in your mind about it outside of reality. It's the same way the devil works with you and me. There is something back here that happened in the old you that, that, that he keeps bringing up. Listen, listen, listen. You have been made alive. You have been made brand new. Old things are passed away. Thank God all things are become new going forward. Are you with me? Stop being afraid of your past. Spiritual freedom is when you are no longer bound by your thought identification of yourself. Rather, you look at this book, and as Smith Wigglesworth said, I just read it, and I believed it was for me, and I could do it, so I done it. Only believe, he said. Only believe. Fear of the past is because we get bound up in a sense of me. And we have yet to let go of that identity and assume the identity of Christ. You, you can begin to unwrap and set free, be set free when you stop being afraid of your past. It is what it is. Amen. See, sin's a terrible thing. You know it, I know it, God knows it. That discussion doesn't need to happen. But so does the devil. And he knows how to follow you around, reminding you of what you were and what you did instead of who you are and what you're going to do. When's the last time... When's the last time you talked to the devil? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad my kids went downstairs because the preacher just said. Now I'm talking about defying him. Now I'm talking about praying to him. I'm talking about praying at him. When's the last time when he's reminding you of something you were 
that is no longer true, but strikes up fear and intimidation in you, and you just turned around and let him know what's what. That is so empowering, church. You have no idea. You start speaking the name of Jesus, and he starts quaking. Are you with me? Listen, you can agree with him about what you were. In fact, you can say, you know, I'm what I was because of you. But then remind him, even though you got that way because of him, you were freed of him because of Jesus. Everything, everything that is against me, I got from the devil. Everything that is for me and is possible, I get from God. So I just wonder, when are we going to start defying? Are you free? Are you free? Are you free? We'll know revival has come. Tom touched on it last week. When, when, when we've had enough and we just stand up and instead of living in fear of our past, afraid something's going to get exposed, if we just stand up and start confessing the fact that we're sinners, amen, we're broken, but God, and we start confessing and repenting, listen, that movement the devil can't stop. We're intimidated. We're afraid. We're afraid. Someone's going to think this or that. Yes, they will. I wish I could say different, but I can't. They will. But it ain't about them. It's about you and your relationship with Jesus and you breaking through your fear. Are you still with me? Walking around all cautious and on eggshells because of this. Listen, if you need forgiven, I don't even understand why you're waiting on me to do something religious or churchy so that you can get out of your seat and come to this altar and beg for forgiveness from our Creator. And listen, you will be set free. Listen, you will have people that will meet you here. They ain't gonna. They're not. They ain't gonna counsel you. They're going to pray over you and pray protection over you while you do business with God. I don't know why it's not important enough that that wouldn't be priority one. Oh, I do know why. You're afraid or you're intimidated because of what someone will think. Blind Bartimaeus couldn't have cared less. Wait, what? Jesus, hey man, you need to dial it back a notch. Don't be yelling out here. You're blind. You're, you're, the, you're the lowest of low. Don't just, hey, leave him be, all right? Just be quiet. All right, here, here's a, here's a nickel. Okay, just be quiet. And he cried out all the more, Jesus! He didn't, you're right. You're, you know, you're right. My bad. You're, I'll wait. It's not my place. It's not my place. I need to just stay down here and be quiet. No, when you come to the realization that you're alive but not free, oh my gosh, and you need a touch from Jesus, you will stop caring what people think. Until then, how's it working for you being bound? 
Number two, you need to stop being afraid of your past. You also need to stop being afraid to fail. Any failures in the room today? Thank you. Thank you. I'm in the right place. I'm with, I'm with my kind. You know this verse, but I'll read it anyway. Proverbs 24, 16. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. You've heard me say it. Fall seven times, get up six, you're a failure. Fall seven times, get up seven. You got it. You understand it. I love the way the Living Bible translates this. I'll begin in 15 instead of 16. Leave the upright man alone who quit trying to cheat him out of his rights. Don't you know that this good man, though you trip him up seven times, will each time rise up again? How? Listen, that's how the devil keeps us bound. Man, you made a big deal about being saved. You made a huge deal about being delivered. You made a gigantic deal the day you got filled with the Spirit. And, and, now, and then you did this. Mm. You're right. I need to stay out of church. Does that make sense to any, any? Does that make sense to anybody in the room? If it makes sense, raise your hand and explain it to me, because I don't get it. I, I, I just and, I, and I'm and I'm not being condescending because I I admit failure. Okay, I I can't do all of them, or I would. Failure, failure, failure. But listen, listen. Get up. Get up. Don't get out. Get up. Get up. Get up, defy the devil. Man, I blew it. I blew it. I hate you, devil. But I'm getting up. I just wish somebody in this room had the spiritual fortitude to tell the devil right now, I am getting up. I'm getting up. You've held me down long enough. I will be set free come hell or high water. And I defy you in the name of Jesus. I'm getting up. 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 Let me help you with something. If, if, if you're going to keep letting your failure stop you from serving and living for Jesus, I, you need to hear my heart now. Are you listening? If you are going to keep letting your failures and every time you mess up keep you from serving and living for Jesus, if you're going to let your failures keep you from coming to God's house and from growing in the Lord, listen to me now. Listen, listen. From my heart, just quit now. Because you're going to be miserable until you get it right. My, my desire is that you would get up. My, my, my willingness to help revolves around you getting up. I'm excited by the reality that because of Jesus, you can get up. But if you're just going to keep defining yourself and try harder, and then they need to try harder, and try harder, and try harder. Just quit. But before you do, remember this. When God saved you, God sent his only son to die for you. And you're not just quitting on your family. You're not just quitting on your church. You're quitting on the one that gave everything. So before you do, get up. Get up. 
Isaiah 48 says this. Let me talk to all my failure friends in the crowd, and then we're going to go home. Listen. Yes, I will tell you of things that are entirely new, things you never heard before, for I know so well that traitors, what traitors you are. You have been rebels from birth. Why, why did I read? God knows that we're failures. God knows. That's why he let his son die. See, the devil wants you to think you can't do it. And he wants you to think he knows you better than God knows you. That's why he put failures in your head. You just keep thinking you're a failure and you're going to fail. Just come to terms. Agree with God. God, you know it. I know it. I'm a failure. I need Jesus. Look at, look at this verse in context. Let's read through 11. Yes, I will tell you of things that are entirely new, things you've never heard before, for I know you, I know so well what traitors you are. You've been rebels from birth. Verse 9, yet for my own sake and for the honor of my name, I'm going to hold back my anger and not wipe you out. (laughs) I don't know. That's one of those shouting moments that I don't understand. That's why I didn't wipe you out. Verse 10, I have refined you, not as silver is refined. Rather, I refined you in the furnace of suffering. I will rescue you for my sake, yes, so that you don't mistake it for my own sake. God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for you. Hey, failures, God's got a plan for you. You got to get up. You got to be free. And finally, I close. You gotta stop being afraid to jump. You're like, wait, what? I'm not talking about mosh pit jump. I'm 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 talking about I'm talking about Google it. I'm talking about I'm talking about risk taking jump. I'm talking about faith filled jump. I'm talking about I kinda like how it is right now, jump. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1, God says, Listen, O Israel, today you are about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land belonging to nations, much greater and more powerful than you. They live in cities with walls that reach to the sky. Today, you're going to cross the river to take over. It's time you start defying the devil Get up and jump in the river because God has given you something on the other side. But you got to be willing to do it. Are you still with me? Deuteronomy 12, verse 10. But you will soon cross the river Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Chapter 11, 31 and 32. For you are about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land your God has given you. When you take that land and are living in it, you must be careful to obey all the decrees and regulations I'm giving you today. Listen, you got to stop being afraid to jump. But I don't know what's on the other side. I didn't either in 2000 when we planted living water out of nothing. That's T-T-I-N apostrophe. Nothing. But a call from the Lord. And a desire to see people come to know Jesus. And a willingness to do anything short of sin to get people who are far away from Jesus next to him 
even if nobody else is doing it. When's the last time you took a risk? Oh, well, I forgot. We can't because... I believe there's a chill in the air of the place we call the church. I make a big, that's a big general statement. If it don't apply to you, don't receive it. But you got to agree with me that things need to change. And I don't have all the answers, church. All I have is what God's laid on my heart. And you're, I, I, I told you, it, it, the next couple weeks ain't going to be the funnest ride you ever had. But I hope that God you leave different than you came. Because I can't sit on it no longer. And I wouldn't think you'd want me to. You know, I'm tired of being told by my peers that preaching the truth out of love on the subjects that you and I talk about, it's, it's impossible to grow a church that way. If one person gets set free today, one, one, if one per I don't care if the place is rolling out the windows and people lined up down Wilmington Pike. If one person either gets free today or realizes holy junk, it's my responsibility to help someone get unwrapped, then that's success. That's success. That's why we do what we do. There's no other reason for why we do what we do. Because, listen, I can fill a room. You can fill a room. Free food. Man, I, when I would bring bands to town, I could fill a room. You get a snazzy poster. Get some well-known band or speaker all I want all I want is for you and I to claim the rights we have through Jesus Christ based on his word that we don't have to live less than we are God's sons and daughters. And the enemy keeps yelling across the valley, defying the church. And I'm sick of it. But you have to be and I have to be free before we can ever start defying the enemy. Because if you're not free and you try to defy the enemy, it will take about 30 seconds for the enemy to kick your legs out from under you. And you're like, that's happened. But thank God you got up. Are you free today or are you living in fear? Jesus came today to set us free. We're not dealing with a baby in the manger anymore. Stay with me. I, I, we're, not dealing, we're, not, we're not dealing with the baby in the manger Baby in the manger. We're not dealing with a man on a cross. 
we've got direct contact to the king sitting at the right hand of the father in heaven. That's our contact. The babe in the manger was weak humanly. The man on the cross was dead humanly. But the man on the throne is alive forevermore. And his name is Jesus. And he's called you out and you are alive. But for the love of all that's holy, get set free today. One more verse, Philippians chapter 1 verse 28, just the beginning. Hear Paul say, don't be intimidated in the way by your enemies. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Isn't it time you and I stopped letting the devil push us around? In humility and under the guidance of of our Father and the empowerment from His Son and Holy Spirit. Yell back across that valley and meet Him right there and just start declaring the name of Jesus. But you Imagine with me. You start at the top of your head. You start unrolling it. Come on, shut your eyes. Go with me. Nick, come forth. Jeff, come forth. Linda, come forth. Rob, come forth. I'm alive. I'm alive. Thank you, Jesus. You made me alive. And somebody starts peeling off the head covering. You feel the sun and the breeze hit your head for the first time in a while. Because you were sick and then you died. And then it uncovers your eyes, and you open your eyes, and at first it's a little, ah, your pupils have to adjust, and, and then you blink seven, eight times, and all of a sudden you have vision again. I did, didn't have vision there for a while. I, got, I can see again, and the first thing you see is the, the first thing you see is the one that called you out. And so you're looking on the face of Jesus. Your eyes well up in tears. And they ain't unwrapping you fast enough. And he gets down and uncovers your nose. You take in a deep breath of new life. They uncover your mouth. And all you can say is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, unwrap me faster. Unwrap me faster. I need to get out of here. Unwrap me. And they begin to unwrap you. Your arms are still down by your side. Your shoulders get broke free. You start moving them around. You're like, oh, man, I'm about to go. And it keeps unwrapping. Your arms are free, and you lift your hands to heaven. And you begin to worship and thank your father that he gave his son so you could be alive. Oh, but you want to dance. 
You want to dance, but you can't dance because you're only partially unwrapped. You want to go and tell, but you can't go and tell because you can't move yet. Oh, but you feel them still unwrapping. They get down to your hips. They get down to your thighs. They unwrap your knees. Oh, they got a little more to go, and you just can't wait. And then finally, you get set completely free. And when you're completely free, there is no limit to what you can do. There's no limit to what God can do through you. Ain't it time you were set free? I mean completely free, not just alive, not partially free. I mean free. Lord Jesus, in your name, I pray these things. If there is anyone in this room that needs set free once and for all, that needs to let go of an addiction that is hindering them, right, wrong, or indifferent, God, it's bound them. If they're living afraid of their past, God, you've already set them free. Give them a new mind, God. Have the new way of thinking in their mind. Lord Jesus, may they not live based on their past, but may they live based on what you you've done and the future you've given them, God, for those who are afraid to fail and they live bound because of that fear of failure. God, remind them, remind them that it was your son's priority on this earth to lift up the fallen so that everybody dropped their stones And look in the face of Jesus. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your failure is. He's here. And God, anyone who's afraid of taking that final step, that risk, that jump, that move, they're not going to worry about what anybody thinks. They're going to worship like you've placed it in their heart to worship. They're going to praise you like you've placed it in their heart. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would come to this altar. Ask your forgiveness, Lord Jesus, for withholding praise for fear of what someone may think, for withholding true unbridled worship for fear of what someone Lord, move amongst your people today. You might wonder if having what they call altar calls, if it's relevant today, I've never seen anywhere in a scripture where something didn't need to come to the altar to be sacrificed. You say, can't God move back here? Absolutely he can move. I'm not putting God in a box. I'm trying to get you out of one. How about you not worry about what someone beside you is thinking? I guarantee you get up and you start moving. Excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. I got to get to Jesus. Excuse me, pardon me, pardon me. Excuse me. Oops, sorry about your foot. Excuse me, pardon me, pardon me. And you start coming down. Listen, you are going to clock out about midway down because you're going to meet Jesus right about right there. And he's going to bring you the rest of the way down here and you will be set free. Who will be next? Freedom awaits. Come on. How about you today that you've stopped trying to unwrap people because people get on your nerves? 
welcome to ministry. If there were no people, there would be no ministry. If you didn't have a purpose of setting people free, God would have took you home as soon as you got saved. But we got to be about the business of building his kingdom. Amen. Jesus told those standing around doing nothing but watching, unwrap him. So maybe you need to repent of that. Being a spectator, being a bystander. I won't rush God, but I also won't drag this out all day. When God says we're done, we're going home. This altar is open. I ask you to come. Whatever you need is, you obey God in Jesus' name. Maybe you need to come and just defy the enemy. God said, grab the hand of the person next to you. They need to come, and they need somebody to assure them they're not going to be alone. How about that? Lord Jesus. Those of you that are in the unwrapping business, there's people down at this altar. Why ain't you up and down here praying over them, praying around them, protecting them from the enemy? It's time you start unwrapping, folks. Get up and come down here and start unwrapping, folks. Stand in the gap. Lord Jesus, we bless your name, God. Oh, I pray protection around my brothers and sisters who have come today, Lord, to be set free. God, free indeed. Oh, so you've set them free. You've called them out, God. You've breathed new life into them. Oh, but Lord, oh, but Lord, they're still bound. They're still bound in the name of Jesus. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Set them free in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Devil, I defy you in the name of Jesus. I stand in the authority of the name of Jesus. Not on my legacy, not on my name. Burke means nothing to you. I stand in the authority of Jesus Christ. And I defy you that you cannot keep defying my people. You cannot keep defying God's army in the name of Jesus. We defy you. We bind you in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, set them free, set them free, set them free. Lord Jesus, set them free, set them free, set them free. Set them free, Lord Jesus. Oh, unwrap them, unwrap them, unwrap them. Unwrap them, unwrap them, unwrap them. Oh, God, we bless your name. Oh, God, we bless your name, Jesus. Oh, God, we bless your name, Jesus. We bless your name, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. 